tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 83. Well, hey, are you a mama with kids still in your home? Maybe you have toddlers and though the years are sweet, oh my goodness, the days seem terribly long. Or perhaps you have teenagers and you're just thinking, ah, how did my mother do this? (laughs) Well, you're going to be blessed by today's conversation. Renee Swope has award-winning books and she really understands the struggles that women face. That's why I'm so happy she's released a brand new book called A Confident Mom, Simple Ways to Give Your Child What They Need Most. And in today's interview, she shares powerful tools that can help all of us become the parents we long to be. It is so exciting to have Renee with us on the podcast today. Renee, I have admired you from a distance and now even much more up close because we've had quite the bonding time this week, (laughs) had incredible conversation where we just talked all things Confident Mom and your new book and parenting. And then... As we ended, I realized I had not pushed record. (laughs) So we thank you so much for joining me again. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm just praying that the Lord will help us dive into all the good stuff that we talked about a couple of days ago. Yeah, it was such a rich conversation and one that I would love to have again and again. It was so rich for, I think, both of us. And um, I I think we have a lot in common. That's something I would have done. And so it made me feel so normal. And um, I could not help but laugh, which was probably really a cruel thing to do. But you eventually <laughs> were laughing too. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. It is the first time in three years. But oh, believe me, it's, it's, uh, it's not necessarily incompatible with my nature. <laughs> yeah. But see, God uh, uses imperfect people, imperfect moms, imperfect podcasters. Does. I love that. I mean, I'm so grateful for his grace. <laughs> oh, so much, so much. And, you know, I think I think when we need it so much, we're able to give it. And so Absolutely. thank you for being so gracious. Oh, you're so welcome. Um, well, your new book, I'm so excited about it because it really, I think, taps into that place where a lot of us um, you know, being a mama is a hard, hard job and being a confident mama, because I think we're so afraid of making mistakes. Can you just tell us a little bit of the history that brought you to this place in writing this book? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think being a mom is the hardest holy job we will ever have, (laughs) um, because it, it is so important. I mean, we're we're raising up a, a person created in the image of God with a purpose and a calling and a future. And we we're we care about every part of them, you know, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and mentally. And so it's a lot. And none of us have ever done this before as the first, you know, the first time around. And even when we figure out like how to be a mom of an infant, then they they go into a different phase. Like I always felt like as soon as I figured out or felt more confident in that phase, the next phase came. And so um, I can't really think of anything like it other than parenting um, that, that puts us in that place of dependence on the Lord. And we want to have self-confidence. We want to feel competent 
We want to feel like we know what we are doing. We want to turn out a good product, which would mean a good kid. And, um, you know, we want other people to think we're doing a good job. But that's just not what parenting is about. And so I wrote this book because it is the book that I needed when I became a mom. And it's the book and message that I still need, that I still turn to. I mean, it's really just really a place where I poured everything in that the Lord has done in my life um, in really fathering me. And then Mm -hmm. which in turn is what prepared me and shaped me into being the kind of mom that I think I know he wants me to be. But it isn't a self-reliance and a self-confidence. It's really knowing him in such a way and following him and parenting the way he does in such a way that we can be confident that he who began a good work in us and in our children will be faithful to complete it. And as long as we stick close to him and I mean, I'm every day, every minute, every hour asking him and to guide us, I think confidence comes over time. And especially with these biblical guiding principles that I talk about in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think you're so right. There's, you know, it's not, it's not something that we can learn without just doing it. Like, and each child is so different and being in tune with the Holy Spirit. I, I remember calling my mom as a young mother and feeling so overwhelmed with two little ones that were just so unique and different and uh, testing me in different ways. And I remember saying to my mom, please don't take this wrong, but I think I might have been able to fake my way through life without Jesus. But then I had kids. <laughs> and it like just it's so amazing because it's the most joyful, most rewarding thing we do, and yet the most humbling and the hardest. And it's it just like lays bare all of our insecurities. Yeah. It strips away our ability to really fake it till we make it. Um, I remember my call to my mom. So my, mine was, I Joshua was only, you know, several weeks old, so maybe two or three months old. And I called her and I was in tears. And I was like, it's so monotonous. Like, will, <laughs> will it always be this monotonous? Because it just was, you know, the same thing over and over again. And I felt like I couldn't get a shower and get dressed and get out the door until like five o'clock in the day. And then I was too tired to leave the apartment. So um, that was my call <laughs> to my mom. But yeah, it's it's hard. And, um, and yet I found that when, instead of resisting the hard things, when I embraced them and allowed those things to make me desperate for the Lord, and I pressed into Him, He spoke into my heart in such a way that He told me how He saw me. Mm. And by showing me how He sees me and loves me and is patient with me and kind, um, it was like He was saying, and this is how I want you to see your children. Like, I don't expect you to be perfect, and you don't have to expect them to be perfect either. And I don't care what other people think about you, and you shouldn't care what other people think about you either. And of course, it wasn't an overnight thing. I mean, we're talking like 26 or 7 years of parenting. Um And it wasn't just when they were little. It was when they were teenagers or as they got older, our oldest son, who super smart, decided not to go to college. And, you know, our whole family, aunts and uncles were like, oh, what do you mean he's not going to college? You know, and there's just all these expectations that people have and we have and just just letting our kids be who God created them to be 
while guiding them in wisdom, but also entrusting them with responsibility and covering them in prayer and um, and getting to know them, you know, pouring as much time into getting to know our children as we do pouring into getting to know new apps and, you know, new social media platforms or new things at work, whatever it is. Like we pour a lot of time into learning in other areas of our lives. And um, as a mom, I wanted to pour as much time into learning what it meant to be a parent who loved the Lord and and um, ushered, you know, my children to Jesus. And so I read a lot and um, I, I, I really became a student of both my kids. And that helped me a lot um, to be able to navigate those challenges of them being so different and in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, uh, for me, like, I read the books and and all of that, but I think about the mamas right now where you have a Google universe to tell you how you should raise your kids. You've got, you've got uh, Instagram to show you what it should look like, you know, have the perfect family and the perfect children. And almost, I think there can be so, so much input to be able to discern what, what is the keys to our kids' kingdoms, you know? I remember talking to my daughter and my daughter-in-law who who are raising little ones and just saying, you know, I think we've got to, yes, let's explore all of the wisdom that's out there. But then we really have to say, Holy Spirit, what do you say? Because because otherwise, I, I, I sometimes feel a little bit bad for mamas right now because there's just so much advice and so much of it contradicts. So which one is it? Is it baby wise or is it another, you know, parenting by grace? Which one am I supposed to do? And so I love that thing of looking to the Lord. Yeah. Well, he knows them, you know, and he made them. He knows them intimately. And, um, you know, there's that prayer that David prayed, like, search me and know me, God, and show me if there's any offensive way in me. And there were times when I would pray that for myself, but also like, search Joshua and know him, Lord, and help me to know him. Um, Not just the offensive ways in him, but just to know him intimately. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't easy. Like there, I I have a chapter about acceptance and love that our children need to feel loved and accepted. And I have a story of me just confessing that um, my oldest, my first, um, when he was around three years old, we went to a fall festival and I had all this, you know, expectations and hopes of what it would look like and taking photos and playing in the bounce house. And the child was like a koala bear stuck to my leg the whole time. (laughs) And I wanted to walk around and look at all the boots and he wanted to leave. And it was so hard. And inside, I was embarrassed Mm. that my child wasn't happy, go lucky and playing with the other kids. And I even sent some of my friends felt like I should push him more socially because he was so introverted and, and socially, you know, just anxious. And so all of that's going on. And I just later over time, as I got to know myself better through reading about personalities and temperaments and motivations, I began to realize, oh, he's melancholy. I'm sanguine. Our needs are so different. And as I got to know the boy and then the young man that my, that the Lord had created Joshua to be, he's become one of my best friends. Um, you know, and my, just one of my, he's one of the wisest people I know. I mean, I go to him for wisdom and counsel and, um, 
I, but I wanted him to be like me and I wanted him to find happiness and joy the way I found happiness and joy and how other people look like their kids were finding happiness and joy. And so had I, I've asked him before, like, do you remember that? And could you sense that? And he's like, I don't, I don't ever remember feeling like Mm -hmm. you wanted me to be different than who I am. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, because I think (laughs) he probably wipes the slate of the first maybe eight years of their lives. (laughs) Um, And, you know, unless we're abusive, I think trauma sticks, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but I'm, I'm so grateful that God, got a hold of my heart and my perspective soon enough yeah. that he didn't pick up on that. Um, but he's read that chapter, you know, he knows it now and, um, oh. and he'll have his own children, you know, he knows he and his oh, wife yeah. will have their own children and they'll have their own struggles. Watch them have like an yeah. outgoing clown, like, you know, life of the party kid who won't stop talking. <laughs> It'll drive him crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he'll send his child to grandma's house. I love it. I love it. Well, I love that idea of becoming a student of your child and and accepting them because isn't it funny? I've been thinking about this so much with personality types and like, you know, doing a little bit of study in the Enneagram and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting that we assume that our point of view and how we process life is the only way and the right way. Yeah. <laughs> the best yeah. way. Right. And so it's been really good to go, hmm, so maybe there's room for people to be different than me. Because I do think you bring up an important point. When our kids don't meet our expectations, we can feel like it reflects poorly on us. Um, I, I remember so so many times, you know, being disappointed when my kids didn't behave correctly because really what was at stake was my reputation. Right, right. You know, they needed to be good so that I could be good. And what a load to put on our kids and to miss the joy of just letting them be who they are and exult in that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I'd had the spiritual maturity to to tell myself, if you have friends who are judging you based on how your children act, that, that, that then those really aren't the best, the, uh, the kind of friends you need. Of course, mm. you know, when you're in certain seasons, like you're lonely, you'll take all the friends you can get, you know, and most of them, right. you meet them on play dates and, and, and in the Sunday school room. But I do think that we, yeah, we want to be liked and accepted just like we did in junior high. I mean, that part of us does not leave <laughs> when we graduate right. from high school. Um, I mean, we carried it, you know, as probably into our forties. And I think by then we were like, okay, I don't care anymore. Um, but yeah, we, we care what other people think. And we oftentimes can think our children are a reflection of us and it really is unfair to our children. Um, and I know in my own experience, I think if we put ourselves in our children's, uh, shoes, no matter how old they are, toddlers, teenagers, young adults, or, you know, in their forties and fifties, um, and think, did my parent treat me that way? And what were the things they said that made me feel like I was a trophy that they wanted to show off and all they cared about Mm. was my performance? Like, how did that make me feel? And is that how I want to make my child feel? And, or maybe your parents did the opposite and you're like, that is how I want my child to feel. And so I think it's just important to slow down and ask ourselves those questions and put ourselves in their shoes um, and empathize. 
you know, yeah. I just think it's super important to empathize. Um, but yeah, love languages, personalities, um, those were just super important for me to know. And as much as possible, you know, they, their personalities change as they get older, but mm. you can begin to see um, based on like the things they talk about, the things they like, the things they avoid, you can begin to see some personality traits. And then also love languages, like how they show their love, the kind of pictures they draw of like a parent and a child, what are they doing? You know, mm. can kind of tell you, like if the child's giving the parent a gift that, you know, there's just clues that we can look for. And I talk about that in the book, because, um, you know, these are things like, these I, I put it all in the book um, because these are everything I learned, you know, that I could possibly mm -hmm. put in there and just, you know, examples to help mamas, you know, not have to learn the hard way as as hard as it was for me. Like we're all going to learn the hard way, but, you know, to give them some some of the um, the cheat notes. <laughs> yeah, um, You know, something you mentioned a few minutes ago about Instagram and Google. One of the things that's made me sad, especially for, I would say, 20 to 30 somethings, maybe even into 40s, but um, especially that generation of 20 and 30 somethings, is that the experts have become the influencers with the most followers. And so if they're really good at marketing and they're really good at image, they are seen as an expert in parenting or in whatever their niche is. And yet you have no idea what their relationship with their children's like, what their marriage is like. It's, it, it scares me how much we've elevated likes and follows and platform to define a person's expertise or credibility or influence in our own lives based on a statistic that yeah. Instagram and Facebook are determining. It's it's really scary. Um, and so what I did, because there wasn't social media when I was a young mom, um, really not until my boys were teenagers, but I looked around at like in church or in mom's groups um, for a, a mom that was about at least five years ahead of me, hopefully maybe 10, that I saw their marriage and mm. their relationship with their kids. And I was like, that's the kind of family I want to have. Yeah. And um, I watched. And then instead of like saying, hey, can we meet for coffee? I would say, hey, can I come over and like help you cook dinner and fold clothes and just hang out? And I would say, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And I just mm -hmm. love seeing your family and the way you love each other. And um I just want to see what it's really like, you know, because one day that's what I hope to have. And I went into their world um, very intentionally, not just to get, but to give, to serve beside them. And it really, it really helped me. Um, and these were godly families who loved the Lord. I mean, one specific was actually the pastor of our church. Um, and it was a small church. It wasn't a big mega church, you know, and wives today, pastor's wives have so much a different responsibility, but she had six kids. Wow. Um, six boys. Um, and she could use all the help she could get with folding clothes. And, and that's how she mentored a lot of us who were in our 20-somethings, um, was just letting us do life with her. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just want to encourage moms, look for someone whose marriage and parenting has, got, has the test of time on it and who, you know, so that would be 10 years of marriage at least, um, and who They've been through some hard stuff, but they're fighting for their marriage and they're seeking God with all their heart and their life looks like the one you hope to live, a legacy that you hope to not only leave, but live. 
um, by the way they're loving Jesus, serving people, and building their family. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's such great advice. You know, I was blessed to be raised in a grace-filled home, Mm. Uh, wonderful parents. You know, sometimes I feel guilty. You know, they say there's no such thing as a leave-it-to-beaver childhood, but I think maybe I come close. That's awesome. And yet, Renee, I struggled in my parenting. Even though I had such great role models, I especially struggled with just reactionary parenting. You know, I I think part of it was my firstborn and I are very much alike. Uh And so we would just ping pong the anger and the frustration. And, you know, as we were talking in our last conversation, you know, I shared that I wish I would have been less reactionary Mm -hmm. in my parenting. Mm -hmm. You know, part of it was my pride, but then part of it was my frustration of why can't I get through to you, little kid? Right. You know, and you just had some wonderful advice that that's included in your book about just the guiding principles because you did come from a different background. Can you talk about that a little bit? I did. Yeah, I did. And I will say some of these guiding principles I learned from Burke and Barbara, which is the family that I just mentioned, because I grew up in a very different home. And I also want to clarify, just because you're being mentored and learning doesn't mean you won't struggle. I'm just saying, decide who you're going to look like. Use this maybe as a gauge for who you're going to look to for influence and um, and wisdom. Um, and not it not just be Instagram likes. Um, but no, I grew I did not grow up in a Christian home. Uh, my parents were divorced before I was two years old. So I don't have any memories of my father and my mother living together um, or us being a family. And I longed for that. My father was very reactionary. Uh, we did not know we'd crossed a boundary line until he, you know, was in a fit of rage. Um, he was abusive. Now that I look back, I didn't see it as abusive. I thought every, I thought it was normal for a father to w- right. pull his belt off and 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 whip his kids with the belt. Um, and he didn't do it. I think I remember getting spanked with the belt once. Now I was the little girl. I had four brothers, and dad, my dad definitely treated me as his little girl. So I got spoiled, and my brothers hated me at times. But I do <laughs> remember hearing my brother be beat with a belt and just the the screams and the trauma that it mm-hmm. brought for me and that I the feeling of not knowing when he, my dad was going to explode so very reactionary and my mom was reactionary in a way um that she she wasn't quite as reactionary. She might tell me not to do something, and then if I did it, I would get a spanking. Um, and it, but not with a belt. It was a different, you know. It was you know, lay over your mama's lap and get up whipping on the bottom, but with her hand. But there was this imaginary brick wall that felt like it went up between us, mm-hmm. and there was no sense of restoration. It was just separation um, mm-hmm. and punishment, and that was way beyond just the consequences of a spanking. It was just I, ne- I, I don't, I didn't know how long it would take. Would it be hours? Would it be days before my mom would talk to me again? You know, I just hope she would forget, maybe have a drink, <laughs> um, you know, just something so that she wouldn't be angry at me anymore. And so, out of that pain, really birthed my passion. Um, to, for for parenting and to to do it differently and to create a whole new branch of our family tree and to live a different legacy and to 
um, start something new. So I, I, before I even got married, like I was very curious and hungry to know what does it look like to love Jesus and have a Christ-centered home? It does not mean it's going to be perfect. I was reactionary. I have been reactionary. I'm still reactionary with Aster. What I've learned to do is to apologize or to try to catch myself if I'm in the middle of it or if I feel that anger raising up and that, you know, you can feel it. Your heart's starting to beat faster or just you're angry just to take a deep breath and um, create some space between us. But there's been times um, my daughter has some special needs and she went through a a phase where she was being physically aggressive. And boy, Mm -hmm. when your child hauls off and hits you, it's really hard not to be Mm -hmm. reactionary. So I know, Renee, that there's some mamas out there that are kind of in that same boat where Mm -hmm. their kids you know, they've done everything that they can, but they're kind of out of control and they're really at their wits end. You know, what do I do, Lord? What do I do? Is there any, I know every situation is so unique, but are are there any principles that have helped you, especially in that difficult, with the difficult child? Yes. So there are some. Um, there are some that I use with my boys as well. So early on, um, my husband and I talked about discipline because, you know, you need to be on the same page. <laughs> and right. So, um, and we weren't always on the same page. Um, like he would thump the boys' little fingers when they would touch a, a electrical outlet when they were little. And I was like, oh, they're just a baby. <laughs> Things like that. <laughs> but um, But as they got older, we had decided that we did not want to discipline in anger. So if we felt anger as much as we could help, you know, we had self-control. If we felt anger, we would separate ourselves from the child. The child would go to the bathroom or, and we did the bathroom because we didn't want them to go to their room and play. You know, we wanted them to go in the bathroom, have nothing to do and think about what the consequences might be, which probably was the worst punishment of all was waiting on mom or dad. And then when we had calmed down enough, prayed and asked the Lord for wisdom, we would get them out of the bathroom and we would take them to their room or somewhere where away from other people, if there were other people present, mm-hmm. because, you know, I don't think embarrassment is a way to honor a child. And I don't think it honors God either by embarrassing them in front of their friends or other people. So we would do that in in private. Um, we would try to you know, as much as we would remember to do this, we would try to talk to them about like, um, do you know why you're in trouble? Um, mm-hmm. And we, if they didn't, then we would tell them and and we would unpack for them. Do you know why that's wrong? Like, yeah. do you see, how would this make you feel if you had done this to, somebody had done this to you, you know, and really unpack it with them before we gave, told them their consequences or gave them their punishment. Um, those are some of the guiding principles. And I share, I think, eight different guiding principles. Um, but I also... Every child is different. So Aster, our child with special needs, is adopted. And with adopted children, it's a really unique path you're walking. And so um, because they've come out of trauma most of the time, Mm -hmm. almost every child that's been adopted has, I mean, when they're separated from their mama after being in her womb for nine months or however long, there's just trauma there. And so navigating that is, um, is a very delicate road. With Aster, because of some of the things we were seeing, we actually talked to her pediatric doctor and he referred us to a resource um, 
that was available through our insurance that was behavioral um, management and almost like parent coaching. And Mm -hmm. she would come into our home once a week. And I never in a million years imagined having someone, it felt like a social worker. I don't know if that's what she was, Mm -hmm. but she gave us some really good tools. And one of them was, um, because Astra wouldn't stay in timeout, um, was to put blue tape on the floor in a square and have her sit in that square. And that helped um, just so that Aster had a boundary. She wasn't sitting in a chair, but there was this square she knew she had to sit in. Um, yeah. And then it was in the hallway near our laundry room. Um, but also, you know, asking for advice from others, I think, is important. I'm so grateful um, for that. And just some other, just she just gave us some different tools to try with Aster. I love that. I love that. Well, I know, I know that a lot of times we, for me, I wanted to do it so perfect mm-hmm. that that I found myself as a mother um, being more fear based than faith based, you know, mm-hmm. and and to realize that you know God hasn't given us this children and then said, "Hey, do your best," <laughs> you know. Right. So let's see how you do. He really wants to walk with us. And one of the things I love about your book is you have a whole chapter about, you know, trusting the Lord with our kids, which goes along, of course, with the message of my new book. I, you know, I talk about mothering by faith rather than fear because God's up to stuff that we don't see. And I, I love that perspective. How can we do that, though, you know, to look beyond what's currently happening and really believe that God's at work? Yes, that's. I'm really glad you asked this because this is something I struggled with, um, you know, very early on in my parenting. I was, I was afraid. Not only I, mean, I was afraid of messing up, but I was also afraid something was going to happen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just struggled with fear. I struggled with fear my whole childhood and my whole life. So it, of course, it seeped right on into parenting and everything else. And um, you know, if we parent in fear. I knew if I parent in fear, it's going to show up as control. Mm. And control is going to eventually um, repel my child from me. Yes. And the last thing in the world I wanted was that. Like one of my number one goals was connection and having a relationship with my child well into their adult years. I I didn't want to just parent them and tell them to fly the nest. Like I really wanted a family that stay, you know, that just stays close and wants to spend time together. So I had to begin, you know, across the board in my life to really invite God into dealing with my fear. And I talk about that in my first book, A Confident Heart, really working through the tangled knots of fear and walking in faith and confidence that even if the worst thing happens, the Lord will carry me through or the Lord mm-hmm. will carry my child and he will be there. And I am not the Holy Spirit. God is. Yes. And and that was with my boys, even with Aster and her special needs. There were times when, I mean, we were doing speech therapy and physical therapy and occupational therapy. And I was running myself to the ground because I felt responsible to give her everything she needed yeah. so that her brain could develop to its fullest potential by the time she was 10 or whatever that window of time is when their brain, you know, st- like mm-hmm. stops developing as much. And the Lord really called, you know, called, check me on it. Like you're not, you did not create her. It is not your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yes, be a good steward, but you're caring so much for your little girl that you're not, you're not spending any time letting me care for you. 
and but also the whole fear of failure versus um, faith. You know, I I I grew up in such a performance based home, and I am so naturally an achiever and like to accomplish things, and that showed up a lot in my parenting, which is makes you know made me miserable, um, and of course probably made my children miserable. Miserable, and what I had to stop doing was measuring: was I successful today or was I failure today? And start asking myself because I felt like the Lord was saying, "Were you faithful today?" Mm, yeah, not did you fail, but were you faithful? Mm. Because God is not asking us to be successful parents. He's asking us to be faithful, and faithful does not mean perfect. Faithful might mean blowing it, but apologizing. Yes. That's where faithfulness shows up. When we blow it and in humility, we confess to the Lord. We admit to the Lord, okay, I blew it. <laughs> Instead mm-hmm. of like, well, he deserved it, you know, because it's, it's easy to justify our behavior in our minds um, because they are pushing our last button. But to admit it to the Lord and then to pray for God to search us and know us and and show us like the root of whatever it was that happened and what caused it. And then to go to that child, when, no matter what age they are, and say, yes. I apologize. Will you forgive me for blank? Yeah. And really seeking forgiveness and restoration of the relationship. And so for me, as I began to understand the way God parents us, which is very heart-centered, it's very character-focused, yeah. and it's very relationship-based. Those are three guiding principles in my book and have been guiding principles of my parenting. So heart-centered, character-focused, relationship-based. And so even if I had a day that I blew it, but I apologize, like that is relationship-based because I'm restoring relationship. And we had frozen pizza and the house is a mess. I could still lay my head on my pillow and feel like I did the best with what I, you know, I did the best I could with what I had that day. And what I had that day was an imperfect self (laughs) and a hard day, but I did the best I could because I, I did the right thing. I went and apologized and asked for forgiveness and I pursued relationship over being right. Ooh, that is so good, Renee. You know, pursuing relationship over being right. Uh, you know, you you had mentioned about just, you know, when you're with your mom's kind of punishment, there was a brick wall and you just were hoping somehow it would dissolve. And I think that's one of the things I found. Yes, we're going to have those really rough days, but doing my very best to restore relationships. You know, after after there's punishment or after there's, you know, repentance on either of our parts, that that, that relationship is restored. Because, boy, when we don't, I think that's what, if we're not careful, if we have to be right and we're not willing to humble ourselves, oh, you know. It's going to fracture. We, we become the authority figure, but we're not that heart-to-heart connection that really God intended parenting to be. I love that. Yeah, I um that was not at all how I was raised. That's just as I studied scripture like and I looked at like how even it, we can see it in the garden with Adam and Eve. Like he was very relationship driven. Yeah. He yeah. was very much about restoring them back into relationship after they sinned. He um was heart-centered 
You know, he cared about their heart and what, you know, their, their want and their, their why. Um, and he cared about their character. I mean, all throughout scriptures, you'll see that like God is after our heart and he cares about our character way. I mean, he doesn't care about our achievements. You know, if we achieve something, it's because we were a good leader because we were honest and had integrity. You know, he values that. Um, and so. Those are, that's where those three things, those three guiding principles came from is just looking and, and, and first receiving them, you know, in my own heart as his daughter and saying like, God cares about my heart. God doesn't care about all the things I do to serve him. He cares about a relationship with me and he cares about my character, not me achieving things, you know, in ministry or how many Bible studies I've led or having a, you know, perfectly clean house. You know, he cares about my character, my heart, and a relationship with me. And then that would spill over into what guided me as a mom. But first it was positioning myself as his child. Yeah. You know, I think you I think you're so right because when we really get in touch with the grace of God that's available to us, I know for me that was huge. You know, I I had a grace awakening around 2930 where, Mm -hmm. you know, this God that I had loved and served, but I didn't really know his grace. Mm -hmm. And when he did that, you know, I'm even just as I'm listening to you, I'm like, I think that's when things changed for me as a mama. Absolutely. Where I was able to give grace because I learned how to receive grace. Exactly the same thing happened to me in my very early, in my early 30s. Um, I... You know, I knew a lot about him and I felt like I knew him, but I did not know the grace, the unconditional love and um, compassion and patience um, that he offered as a father. I just, Mm -hmm. I didn't understand it. And, and, but when I grasped it, it changed everything. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, and I think of that mama out there who's just struggling and she's trying to do it right. Yeah. And she's so afraid she's going to mess it up. I mean, it is scary. You are talk- is. You're talking about a little human being. Mm-hmm. And then they become a big human being and then they become, they leave, you know, they move out. Yeah, it is scary. It is hard. Like I've walked, my children are 13 to 27, two are married. So I've walked through all of the phases and um, I've walked through a child not going to college and starting his own business when, you know, everybody thought that was the craziest thing. I walked through the other son becoming an atheist when he was 15. And then Mm -hmm. I've walked through a daughter with significant special needs and really not being able to talk in complete three or four word sentences until she was like six or seven years old and still today, you know, has significant learning disabilities and will probably always be under, you know, Mm. our roof. Um, Right. Yeah. So I, I know it's hard. It's scary. Um, And that's why I wrote this book because I love moms and I have such a heart for them because I don't want them to lose hope the way I almost did Mm. because they have so much to offer and Satan is coming after them to distract them yeah. from all that they have to offer by getting them to focus on all the ways they could blow it and all the ways they do when Jesus is just saying, turn back to me and let's, let's yeah. go back and heal. Um, let's together uh, heal that wound, um, mm-hmm. or heal that fracture. And it's just never too late 
um, to say we're sorry. And I want to share this. My mom is 85 years old. And um, about a year ago, for the first time in my life, my mom apologized for mm-hmm. being so critical of me my whole growing up years. Wow. I, 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 I didn't have memories of my mom complimenting me. And when I would like point it out to her, she was like, say like, well, you should hear how I talk about you to other people. Mm. But how she talked about me to me was very critical. What, like up until probably about a year ago, and it was really hard. I had to set boundaries and um, she didn't want to go to, you know, sports events that I was involved in. And she was just very into her own world and it hurt me, you know, and I had to learn how to not need her. Um, and I just didn't feel nurtured, but about a year ago, she, I think she had seen a documentary and she called me and she said, I just want to say, I'm sorry for all the ways that I have been critical. And she said, when you were a little girl, I didn't nurture you when you were younger. And so as you got older, I felt guilty for how much I'd neglected you. And I've tried to make up for it because Mm -hmm. I felt like I needed to tell you how to live and how to be good and succeed to make up for all the ways I neglected you early on in life. But you don't need me to tell you what to do, Renee. You're doing just fine. And I'm, I love you and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? It's just my insecurities that have made me that way. And it felt like a miracle. Yeah. A miracle. And I, that's why I tell people, like, it's never too late. Mm-hmm. I love my mom. And I loved her before she did that. But it was hard to be around her. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't the first person I thought of when I had free time to go have coffee. I didn't mm-hmm. want to go have coffee with her. Because mm-hmm. she would tell me she, that the collar I was wearing didn't look good on me. Or that the jacket I had on made my hips look big. You know, it just, I mean, it just, there was always something. Wow. And so, you know, if... Like, I just think we need to realize that I, I, I know for me, I thought being critical would help my children be better. You know, it would help them succeed in life I, if I told them what was wrong. So I was becoming like my mother early on. And, um, and but that it doesn't, it pushes them away. Um, yeah. They need a cheerleader. They need us to be the biggest encourager they will ever meet. They need us to believe in them and speak hope into them and speak promise into them and speak mm-hmm. a future into them by just saying, God has a plan for you, or mm-hmm. I love the way that you do this. And you're so wise in the mm-hmm. way you made that decision. And I notice, like your friends really like you. You must be a trustworthy friend or just mm-hmm. pointing out those things that nobody yeah. else is going to tell them unless they just have a really good mentor. <laughs> um, right. Because I had to go find that outside of my home. I, I had to go find that in, um, mm-hmm. you know, in other women as the Lord, as when the Lord got a hold of my heart in my 20s. Um, and I struggled. I remember there was this very godly woman who I respected so much um, in our church. And I, I don't remember what the conversation was, but she said, Renee, you don't see yourself the way that other people see you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, like you people think really highly of you. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I, I don't see that, you know, I don't think I can see it. And it was almost like I was in this pit and I just wanted her to reach her hand down and just help me. Like I was getting close to the top. I just wanted her to reach her hand and pull me out. Just let me get out, you know? Um, 
And so my desire is that we will we will walk beside our kids so they don't fall in the pit. And maybe they'll still fall in the pit, but let's climb yeah. down in there with them and gr- bring a ladder, you know? And because um, life is going to be hard for them. You know, it yeah. is. But we don't have to be afraid. We have a good God and and um, who pursues us. And if we can just be who we say He is, yeah, I think things are going to be they're going to be better. I want to yeah. say things are going to be okay mm-hmm. um, because He's good, and He says He's a, He's a rewarder of those who seek Him. And God's yeah. challenged me that, but with that statement, be who you say I am. Stop telling him them I'm patient that I want to be with them. Be with them. Turn your phone mm-hmm. off. Be yeah. patient. Be present when they climb in bed at eleven o'clock and you're about to conk out and they want to talk. Yeah, sit up. Yeah, be with them. That's so good. That's so good. Well, Renee, I'm really excited because you have a new podcast that's coming in April that's centered around this whole message of a confident mom. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I just want to come alongside moms in their everyday life and encourage them. And so it's going to be short, five to seven minutes. So it's, you know, you can listen to it while you're sitting in carpool or while you're hiding in your bathroom (laughs) or taking a bubble bath. Um, It's going to be fun. The music is super fun. And I just want to offer, you know, each episode will give a mom like one thing to walk away with that they can implement with their family and with their kids that day. So they'll leave, you know, feeling empowered and equipped as a mom and encouraged as a child of God. I love it. I love it. That's a confident mom podcast with Renee Swope. So be sure to check it out. I love it. Well, I just think, uh, you know, there's so many things that we've touched on that I'm sure have spoken to women's hearts. And like we prayed before, even that the Holy Spirit would speak between the lines Mm -hmm. because we're all in unique situations and we all have unique struggles. And I think to understand that, that uh, we're not the only ones is really helpful and to have a wonderful resource like the confident mom and your book and just the wisdom that God has given you through the hard things. So powerful. And I hope also that you guys out there listening also heard that you can come from a terrible background or you can come from a wonderful background and you can still have issues. Mm-hmm. And that's why we need Jesus. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's why we need a fresh revelation of his grace, his love towards us. I would just love to have you pray for those mamas out there today as we close. I would love to. Heavenly Father, um, we thank you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I just especially want to thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our wonderful counselor. Mm-hmm. Yes. Holy Spirit, would you teach us how to pause and listen to your still small voice sometimes that whispers into the chaos? And and yes. I know a lot of times I've thought that was just my thought, you know, but Lord, mm-hmm. I know it's been you. Everything I share yes. has is comes from all that you have taught me. And all the times you whispered and you convicted me or you encouraged me or you guided me, Lord, in so many ways. But I had to learn to listen and be obedient to your spirit when you told me to clean my husband's side of the closet, even though I knew he wouldn't even notice. Or when you told me not to say another thing to Andrew about scripture when he told me he was an atheist, but to be who you said he was. Mm -hmm. All the ways, Lord, when you told me to tell Aster, 
She is enough just as she is. After we found out that she has intellectual disabilities, even though she didn't even know, Lord. Mm-hmm. God, I pray for every mom listening that you would draw her close, that you would lavish her with your grace, that you would whisper your truths, that you would sing your kindness over her, that you would yes. pull her close as your daughter. Mm-hmm that she would trust you, that she would seek you more than anything else, and that she would hunger for your word and for time in your presence in any way she can get it, whether it's locked in the bathroom or in her car in the driveway or on the front porch or at a coffee shop nearby, or that she would be creative even to just get five minutes with you each day. And then would you walk with her and talk with her and guide her Lord, show her your ways, teach her your paths, guide her in your truth and teach her. For you are her hope and her salvation. You are our confidence, Lord. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't Renee precious? I love her heart. I hope you'll go to the show notes at joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash 083. You can find all the links to her books and ministries and be sure to check out that new podcast. It's bite-sized hope and encouragement for mamas, no matter the age of your kids. Do you know someone who could benefit from this episode? Maybe a friend or perhaps the mama who's raising your grandkids? Well, most podcast players give you an option to share the episode via text or social media. And I know that both Renee and I would appreciate you getting this message into the hands of more women. And if you personally have never checked out the archives of the Living Room Podcast, I can't believe it, you guys, but we have over 80 episodes that are jam-packed with life-changing truth and practical tools just waiting for you to listen. With 2 million podcasts available worldwide, well, there's a lot to listen to, which makes it even more... (laughs) special to me that you've chosen to listen to the Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver. I hope that you're gleaning as much from these episodes as I do, because God wants to give us all the tools we need to learn how to live and love and lead like Jesus. See you next time.